you looking for postpartum support in 2021? Are you ready to feel loved up, nourished and treated like an absolute queen after your baby is born? Then I might be the postpartum doula for you. Visit my website www.postpartumwithsteph.com, download my offerings and if you like what you see, email me at postpartumwithsteph at gmail.com. I have a range of in-home support packages along with online support and mini packages too. I would love to hear from you if you are ready to rock life after birth. This episode of Postpartum Stories with Steph was recorded on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph, candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. Welcome to episode 26 of Postpartum Stories with Steph. Today I am joined by Kath Bequee. Uh, Kath is a mum of three young girls. She's a physiotherapist for women and she has an online community called Fitness Mama, which helps to provide uh, pregnant and new mothers with exercises, support and resources that they need to get their bodies and minds strong again. Uh, Kath and I chat about lots of things in this episode, um, specifically her own experience of pelvic floor prolapse after her first baby was born and how that experience was really the driver for the work that she does now um, with women in pregnancy and postpartum. She talks about her breastfeeding experiences um, and the juggle of going from one to two kids and then two to three. Um, so yeah, that we cover a lot in this episode and it was a really lovely chat with Kath. Um, you can find her at www.fitnestmama, that's F-I-T-N-E-S-T-M-A-M-A.com or on Instagram at fitnestmama. Or she also has a podcast called the Fitness Mama Podcast. Um, and I was actually on an episode of her podcast a few weeks ago. So have a scroll back and look for that one because I chat all about postpartum uh, on her podcast. So I hope you enjoy this one. Go and find Kath on all of the socials if you want to connect with her. And uh, let me know if you enjoyed this episode through a review or a five-star review would be lovely. Uh, hope to chat to you soon. Well, Kath, thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to chat with you and to hear a little bit about your postpartum experiences. Um, can you tell me a little bit about who you are and who's in your life? 
Oh, thanks, Steph. It is lovely to chat. So my name's Catherine Bequee and I'm a physiotherapist for women. So in my life, I have three little girls aged eight, six and three and my husband. So Paul, my, Mick just mentioned the other day, he's like, you never talk about me. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, love. Yeah, we're, we're, um, they're the last thing we mentioned. <laughs> lovely, supportive husband who I don't talk about. Um, yeah, so that's my life in a nutshell. And I've always been involved in women's health from a work perspective. And right from when I first graduated, I was a little, you know, 21-year-old physio doing all my electives and working part-time in a physio clinic with all the pregnant mums. So I just loved it right from the Mm get-go. And then once I had my babies, I did the specialist um, pelvic floor postgraduate certificate. So I went back to uni and became a pelvic floor physio. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, So if you could cast your mind back eight years and tell me a little bit about what that first postpartum experience was like for you. Yes, I feel like it's always etched in your brain yeah. <laughs> once you go through it. So my first pregnancy, it was amazing. I was fit. I was active. I did all the Pilates. I worked in a women's health clinic. So I felt like, yeah, there were no issues with pregnancy. So I have to say going from a really fit and active, healthy pregnancy And then childbirth came along and it was a whole new experience, that postpartum experience. And it was a bit of a shock to the system. So um, look, I had a a great textbook birth, but having said that, yeah, (laughs) thinking about it for months and months afterwards for my, I've got a podcast, a fitness mama podcast, and I just chatted to Helen Nightingale about unpacking birth story and I I told I said to her I feel like I need to talk to you about yeah <laughs> about absolutely. my first part of the experience because she was saying how it can be textbook and it can be amazing on paper but it can still have a profound um, experience and that's yeah. what I felt but anyway um after having the baby again I felt that you know I was fit I was strong I should be able to get back to doing things and I yeah I I think it really what happened is I was one of the first of my friends to have a baby and they were brilliant they said look let's catch up for a coffee let's go to this cafe let's go to that cafe and I I was just like yeah why not I wanted to show off my new baby so I was living more in inner city Melbourne and off I trotted with my pram to the local cafe at two weeks postpartum. It was only a 20, 25 minute walk. Um, and then I sat in the cafe and, you know, had my coffee, whatever. And then I walked home. So by this stage, I'd been up on my feet and upright for about two to three hours. And as I was walking home, I felt a real pelvic heaviness so for those that don't know it like that is a sign of pelvic organ prolapse Mm. so you might feel pelvic organ prolapse as a vaginal bulge or a vaginal lump or some women feel it as a pelvic heaviness like what I did or a dragging and I got home from that walk and I said to my husband 
oh my gosh, it feels like I have a ton of bricks sitting on top of my pelvis, a pelvic floor. And I was lucky in that I, I was able to identify those issues because I was a physio for women and I knew what that was a symptom of. Mm. But it was a real shock to the system and it made me change up a few things really quick, smart. And I did some more horizontal rest. I put my feet up. I cut down my walking so I wasn't doing... Um, yeah, so it, I, I did change a lot of things and luckily those symptoms did subside quite quickly, mm. but it was a big shock to the system. So that was one of my first real drivers towards thinking, you know what, education around this needs to change. If I felt this and, you know, I, I thought I was just taking it easy. All I was doing was going for a 20, 50 minute walk with a pram and mm. sitting down at a cafe and, for me, that wasn't much. It's I didn't feel like I was overdoing it, but um, yeah, yeah. And so. I think like you know, we often see um, the bounce back. I'm saying that in quotations on social media. Of it's usually celebrities that are you know out running the day after they've had a baby or working out or whatever it might be. And so we do kind of think oh, I should be doing that. Like I should be able to do that if they can do that. And what we don't really sort of understand is how you know potentially damaging that can be to not rest and honor our bodies um, in that sort of early time and I'm just sort of wondering you know how that kind of um, played a role in the in the work that you do and also in your other postpartum experiences. Yes so that was the first I guess light bulb and thinking how can I help women get onto this sooner rather than later because in the clinic as a physio women come in to see me when they've already got issues mm. you know they might have leaking incontinence prolapse aches or pains that sort of thing so I was thinking all right how can I actually be more proactive with this help to educate women more get a bit of a plan in place so that they don't run into these or to help prevent or make it less likely to run into these issues. Yeah. Yeah, so this was a real driver behind creating Fitness Mama. And then what happened with my next pregnancy was my first pregnancy had been amazing, um, as I said before, and I had been really lucky. And then with my second pregnancy, I had an 18-month-old running around. We moved house. And I developed really bad pelvic girdle pain to the point where I struggled to walk even five, 10 meters. I couldn't care for my toddler. I ended up having to, you know, call upon uh, family to help put her in extra childcare. I, mm. I couldn't do anything. And again, that was a real shock to the system because, you know, I thought I had pregnancy figured, yeah. <laughs> figured out. And I guess um, it would be as like someone who's, you know, quite fit and, you know, is health conscious. Um, yeah, to have your body kind of do the opposite of what you were expecting would be uh, a huge shock to the system. That's right. And I found it also challenging because I worked in a physio clinic. I was able to seek treatment and go and see my colleagues. But the act of taking my toddler, I distinctly remember one session I booked in I wrestled my toddler into the car seat because at that stage she didn't like to be strapped in. So mm -hmm. that was a, um. an experience in itself. <laughs> and then we drove there, found, found a car park, you know, had to walk from the car park to the clinic, 
got to the clinic, my toddler is tearing the place down and I'm, you know, can't relax into my treatment session because I'm so worried my toddler's wreaking havoc. Mm. And I remember getting home again thinking, I'm not going to do that again. Like I, I by this stage, I had already, um, I couldn't ask for any more help <laughs> with the babysitting. I felt like I'd already used up all those resources. And I just thought, you know what, I'm actually better off just staying at home and not seeking treatment. So that was also another big driver behind Fitness Mama. And then my second and third recoveries, I think I did start to put into some strategies into place. And I started being a bit more, I guess, methodical or just not I knew what my body could handle and what my body, what I shouldn't be doing in those early postpartum experiences. So by the time it got to my third afterbirth recovery, I think that was my best recovery mm-hmm. of them all. Yeah. Physically, it was it was a dream boat recovery. Yeah. And you obviously had done a lot of work in the space of what would it have been about five years to, you know, feel like you were on top of, what could potentially happen? Yes. Look, as you said before, the postpartum recovery phase can take months and months and months, if not years. So it's not a matter of quickly getting strong again after childbirth. I really do think it's a matter of getting a plan in place. Think about your, I like to think about it as postnatal rehab. Mm. So footy players do this really well. Um, let's imagine a AFL player or you know some sports person on the footy field and let's say they have a hamstring strain or they have an ACL injury Mm. they will then either have to have surgery for their ACL or a rest for their hamstring strain so they'll have a period of rest then they will have a period where they start really gentle strength work in the gym then they might start some gentle run-throughs then they might start training sessions just you know as an example Mm. and then finally they gradually get back into competitive footy whereas women after childbirth generally and I understand I totally get it we're so sleep deprived we're learning how to breastfeed change nappies learning how to be a mum and often our postnatal rehab is non-existent and yeah. we're at the supermarket two weeks after giving birth because our partner's leaves run out mm. and we're having to, you know, take the kids to and from school or whatever it is for you. And I don't feel as a society we're honouring that we're, we're helping women with that postnatal rehab. Yeah. Oh no, we're, we 100% aren't. We're getting it so wrong. <laughs> and, you know, it'd be great to have that kind of rehab, but I guess the reality is, yeah, like you said, we've got older children, we've got not a lot of support. And so I guess, how do we kind of get what we need? And I think that's so great that you've created this program um, to you know, assist women through all of this and make sure that they do have that support because, you know, these issues can be ongoing for years and years and years before women realise they can even get help. I know um, with things like um, incontinence and um, that kind of thing, like some women have been living with that for decades, thinking that, oh, it's just part of my life now, when really there is an option to potentially fix it a hundred percent 
depending on, you know, their own situation. And, you know, I remember getting the pamphlet in hospital, like one in three women leak urine after birth. Here's some pads for it. And it's like, cool, but like, what can we do? Because that doesn't sound like something that I want to be dealing with for the rest of my life. So um, I'd love to hear from you a bit more about, um, yeah, the work that you're doing in fitness and um, some some of the things that women can be doing in pregnancy to to ensure that they're not, you know, having to deal with these ongoing issues. Yeah, look, it's such an important point you bring up. We know that pelvic floor muscle training can potentially be really helpful to a woman depending on her own situation. But um, as I said before, often I'm seeing women in a clinic when they've got issues, so Mm. leaking, incontinence, prolapse. And for anyone listening, if you do have issues and you are leaking when you cough, sneeze or laugh or let's say you've got urgency and you need to rush to the toilet and you can't hold on, um, issues with constipation even, prolapse, like that vaginal bulge heaviness, painful sex, all of those are sort of um, indications that you might benefit from a pelvic floor muscle assessment. And that's done face to face and no online program can take that away. And I don't ever want it to. And I'm often advising my members to go and seek that um, individual assessment and Mm. treatment. Um, But having said that, there's also a lot, I, I do believe, and this is where my program comes into it, Knowledge is power. And if women can identify earlier that they've got issues, they can nip them in the bud potentially um, or manage them as soon as possible rather than waiting, as you said, years and years and years. So my program, it takes you through those self-management well I guess the information that all women hopefully know about and I've done a couple of podcast episodes on it but things like avoiding constipation is a big one Mm. so trying you know have a chat to your doctor if you've got issues with having to strain on the toilet let's have a look at your positioning and look at your posture on the toilet how are you relaxing pelvic floor and tummy muscles so how are you doing a poo effectively yeah Yeah. (laughs) um those sorts of um that sort of information, it sounds so simple, but that can have a huge effect on your pelvic health, as is maintaining a healthy weight. And that's where gentle workouts and, you know, gradually getting stronger in your whole body and is helpful for that weight management. Um, being aware of any chronic coughing or sneezing, if you've got allergies, you know, again, go and see your doctor and let's get on to that because we know that coughing puts a lot of extra pressure through the pelvic floor too. So there's those sorts of things that are really helpful um, to know about. And then with I run um, Pilates classes for pregnancy and postpartum, and there's different levels depending on where you're at in your period, like of whether or not you're pregnant, you're early postpartum, or you're feeling a bit stronger. And we finish every single workout with pelvic floor because unfortunately, I I don't know about you, Steph, but pelvic floor exercises are boring. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to get up there and say it. They are so boring and they're hard to remember to do. Mm. And 
And I think that's one of the biggest things. If we can get into a bit of a routine about doing our pelvic floor, that's one of the biggest steps. It's like brushing your teeth. It's boring, right? But we're all in the routine of brushing our teeth twice a day and we just do it. So that's where my workouts sort of step in as well. Um, let's, Let's say you've been to your physio, you know you've got a good quality contraction, you know you're activating those muscles properly you just need to get them stronger um that's where my workouts come in because i combine pelvic floor is sort of interwoven into all the exercises and at the end of every workout we also finish with a set of exercises and i don't i say they're live classes so i can see if they're like dropping out and i'm like don't you dare leave we've got two more minutes (laughs) maybe you need to start doing it at the beginning (laughs) (laughs) maybe um then they'll just turn up two minutes late no Mm -hmm. i'm just joking i'm joking now everyone (laughs) loves to stay hang around and do the pelvic floor exercises so so is pelvic floor exercises and kegel exercises are they two different things no good question look your pelvic floor this is where i wish podcasts had a video component (laughs) so i could grab my pelvis model but your the kegels is just a bit of american term Mm. for pelvic floor you might also hear the term the neck so if you about to cough or sneeze you want to do a pelvic floor lift before you cough or sneeze, if you can predict it, or before you lift your baby. Mm -hmm. And that's called the knack. And that's also been shown to be quite helpful. So they are an internal muscle to the body. And that's why it's hard to know if you're doing the exercise correctly. If I'm just Mm. looking at you, it's not like when you lift up a bicep and do a bicep curl. Yeah. I can't. So how do we know if we're doing it right? Well, Well, that's where a pelvic floor assessment comes in by pelvic floor physio. So there's two ways we can assess. One is via a real-time ultrasound machine, which is, it's like the ultrasound that you see the baby with, but this time we're just looking at the muscles. So we pop it on your tummy, just around your bikini line area, and you, we can visualise and you can see on the little screen your pelvic floor muscles going up and down. However, if you want more a more thorough pelvic floor assessment an internal vaginal examination is much more thorough and will give us an idea of what your strength's like um, what your tone is like what left's like compared to right what your coordination your relaxation it will also we can assess prolapse so if you're going to go and bother having a pelvic floor assessment I'd highly um, you know have a chat to your pelvic floor physio but you the more thorough assessment is Hmm. internal Get all bases covered. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what are some things that we could do in pregnancy um, to help us, you know, avoid things like um, leaking urine, prolapse? Is that possible? So there, there is research to show that pelvic floor muscle training during pregnancy can help with those issues. And um, I think a lot does depend on the childbirth. So during yeah, on the childbirth as well. So during pregnancy, I teach my mums two things. We go through strength exercises, the quick lifts, the long holds, all those different aspects of pelvic floor, of the pelvic floor. But then I also teach my pregnant mums all about pelvic floor muscle relaxation mm-hmm. because we want to have a good strong lift, but we want to fully relax as well. Because when you give birth, you know, to put it simply, it's the uterus's job to push out the baby. It's the pelvic floor's job to get out the way mm-hmm. and just 
you know, relax as much as possible so that the baby's head can come through. And the pelvic floor muscles, they have an amazing capacity to stretch. They can stretch up to three times their length during childbirth, which is amazing. Like no other muscle in the body can do that. I think a hamstring tears at about 20% its length, I think. Don't quote me on that. But um, the fact that pelvic floor can stretch up to 300% is it's pretty amazing. Mm. So there's also been some research to show that perineal massage can be really helpful too. Yeah. So um, that's really exciting. And I teach that from 36 weeks onwards, they say, with the research. And there's a few you've just got to check that you're okay medically, that you don't have any conditions that means you can't do perineal massage, but that's something I teach from 36 weeks onwards inside the membership. Mm. And so do you feel like your own personal experiences um, with your pelvic floor health have kind of um, shaped the work that you do now? Yeah, definitely my experiences, but probably more so all the experiences of the women that I've treated in the clinic over the years. Mm. So you see this a lot. You see the same things kind of happening all the time. Exactly right, Steph. And And that's really made me want to be more proactive with the way we help our bodies during pregnancy and postpartum Mm. rather than reactive and waiting until we've got issues to be treated. And that's exactly why Fitness Mama exists is to help hopefully um, nip any issues in the bud, but if you've got issues, to be able to manage them as soon as possible. Mm, So good to have that support. Um, I'm going to jump back to postpartum again, um, to your postpartum. I'm interested to know how you went with things like, um, with things like breastfeeding and, you know, maybe what some of the challenges were or the um, unexpected things. I'm asking you like three questions in one. Let's go with breastfeeding. How did you go with breastfeeding? <laughs> oh, my first experience compared to my last experience was totally different. So my first, no one's ever asked me this before, Steph. <laughs> I know, and we just met, you oh. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, my first baby she latched on really well in those early days and I left hospital with breastfeeding really well. And I think I was pumping at the same time to build up my milk supply. They'd given me a pump in hospital and I'd sort of just continued that at home. But then within about a week or two after birth, something just suddenly switched and my baby started screaming she was pushing away from me when I was trying to feed her Mm. but I knew she was hungry so I knew something was wrong and I thought it was me and I thought that I couldn't breastfeed her properly but I still remember like her putting her little hands on me arching her back like pushing away but I knew she was hungry and then she stopped putting on weight. I was having to go every day to the maternal child health nurse and they were mm. starting to get a bit worried. Um, we couldn't work out what it was. I was pumping pretty much 24-7 it felt like yeah. <laughs> and it was really stressful those first few weeks. Um, and so it was between weeks three to six that she started losing weight and uh, I think I went to the paediatrician as well and 
he just said, you know, you're doing a good job. No one suggested formula and I think she was starving. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I finally went to my GP at six weeks and she was the first person to strip my baby down from head to toe and she found a little anal fissure. Ah. So and and she said that could have happened from an explosive poo in those first few weeks. And mm-hmm. she said, what happens is every time I go to feed her, it's a reflexive anal constriction, and then mm. that will cause her pain, and there sh- therefore she won't feed. So it was so simple. Like after she diagnosed that, she got me to buy this really thick um, Covitol, I think it was called, this nappy cream. Mm. It was really um, gentle but really thick mm-hmm. to just pop on the area, and I'd do that before feeding. And, yeah, it was like a godsend. It worked. Oh, and then she finally started feeding. How um, amazing, though, that the GP actually, like, it shouldn't be amazing. It shouldn't be a shock that, you know, a GP actually checks out each individual yeah. involved in the circumstance. <laughs> but um, so good yeah. that, that she was, was able to diagnose that for yeah. you. Because I was so thankful. I'd been to my paternal child health nurse. I'd been to a paediatrician and then finally my GP hit the jackpot. Mm. Um, yeah, so look, I, I did struggle those first six months though. She was a skinny little baby and she was never, you know, she was always on the low percentile and I was mm. never ha- happy. I always felt she was a bit discontent because she was hungry. Um, and in hindsight, I started giving her uh, mixed feeding at six months, topping her up with formula, and she was a different baby after. Yeah. She was content. She was happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so at six months old, my baby finally stopped crying. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, hindsight's always a lovely thing, right? Yeah, I just oh, think absolutely. My, yeah, so like I went to the lactation consultants but had a few, like they were happy with the latch, yeah, so look, I, I don't, yeah, I I think every, for that per, that particular experience, I, I did think she, yeah, look, for my second and third, I, I, I know my milk supply was a lot better. Yeah, and I think if your first baby, you know, was struggling with those feeds in the first couple of weeks, that definitely would have affected your milk supply as mm. well. So, yep. you know, there's no shame in having to top up with formula if it's going to mean that, you know, you're more at ease and she's more at ease. You know, and, and yeah, and it and wasn't, then, you know, you're you were clearly looking for, you know, an answer to what was going on. So, yeah, hindsight's yeah. beautiful, but yes, and I do remember, like a it was a family member saying, just give her a bottle of formula, and I was so hard on myself in those first few months. But I wish someone, like a health professional, in hindsight again, had just said, give her some formula because I reckon she would have just become a happier baby from earlier on. So that was that that experience. And then second and third babies were a dream. Like for that first baby, I was so unconfident. I couldn't breastfeed in public because I was thinking she's going to push away. I'm going to expose my breasts to everyone. Mm. I was just very self-conscious. Yeah. Whereas the second and third... I was, I was definitely more relaxed and that might have definitely helped as well. Yeah. But I was able to feed them out and about, you know, I, yeah, they were good little feeders. I think it can be so nerve wracking to, to breastfeed in public for your first time when, yeah, you know, I remember my son, he used to push off 
the breast constantly. He'd be bouncing off and on, off and on, because he'd get distracted. This was when he was a little bit older. And it's like, dude, stop, because, like, I don't want my whole boob out. Not that I should be ashamed of that, but just for me personally, like you spend your whole life covering up making sure no one sees you naked in public and then all of a sudden it's like here's my boobs um (laughs) yeah it's really interesting isn't it and I almost uh, like I was so hard on myself for that first baby I I wanted to feed in public because you know I was proud to feed in public and I could see other people feeding in public but it was also I didn't want to feed in public because of all these issues that Mm. I was having so I felt torn And I think it's one of those things that you, I know some people feed in public straight away, no issues, they're fine. And that's amazing. And then for others, for me, it just, I don't know, it was around the six month mark. And I was like, you know what? I'm just doing this now. I'm feeding him wherever I'm feeding him, you know, on a bus, on a park bench, in a cafe, wherever, I don't care. But it does take practice to get that confidence up. So yeah. yeah. And I think for mums listening to have, like this is what I didn't have, but to be kinder to yourself and think, you know, it's okay if I don't want to do whatever it is. Like mm. you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Do what feels right for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please come over and say hi on Instagram. That's where I like to hang out. Uh, My handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph, S-T-E-P-H. That's where I'll be sharing podcast episode updates too. Hope to chat to you soon.